It's Off the Couch with Alvary and Cheryl. It's that podcast you've been waiting for. Two New York State licensed social workers on a mission to share their amazing work. We explore fatherhood, masculinity, relationships, mental health, life as therapists, and even current events. Serious topics with seriously engaging hosts. Tune in. Um, so... Welcome back. We're here off the couch. I'm your host, Alberry, and with my co-host, Cheryl the Amazing. We're back at it again. Um, certainly, certainly in a hot summer New York day. And so, well, we're going to start off with how we're feeling, right? We're going to jump right into it. So, uh, Cheryl, how are, how are right, you? How's, your, how's been your week as, as in the spirit of, you know, social work practice, right? How are you right, feeling? How right. are you I'm feeling rejuvenated, surprisingly. Okay. I spent some time over the holiday weekend with my family, which you never know how that's going to go, but yeah. it went actually quite nice. It was great to see my family, and I'm um, taking a bit of a low-key stance this summer, so I'm feeling rejuvenated, doing some just kind of low-key, easy, easy life so far. Awesome. Yeah, what about you? Yeah, Um. well, I'm. it's a mixture of a lot of things. I think I'm feeling well now i'm much better and i also rejuvenated in a sense mm-hmm. so i like that word i was gonna say good but then I, <laughs> i'm Ooh. sitting here like no let me not say good i want to call you out yeah yeah so <laughs> um i passed my licensing exam which is a good which is good news uh yes congratulations yeah totally That's uh, so exciting procrastinated on it but you know passed um and so i feel good about i feel great about mm-hmm. that um feeling confident and so Hopefully that means good things for for my future as far as my career, you know, in mental health as a social worker, therapist, um, as well. So I'm pretty excited about that. I'll get to finally do. Hopefully, you know, this can then allow me to do the things I really want to do later mm-hmm. in life and in the future. So I'm happy about that so far. But at the same time, I've had a challenging week uh, as well because you know how our field is. You know, oftentimes mm-hmm. we things go up and down. We're working with uh, individuals and have really tough issues. And so this week I just, you know, I'm still in my head, uh, kind of been challenged by a particular case that I've had working with a father as mm-hmm. well. And it just made me think about relationships and just the complex nature relationships where there's been violence. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, this father, Cheryl, you know, he, um, I was just particularly challenged because it's just, he, you know, long story short, he's, uh, there was violence in the relationship. He was physical violence, uh, on his part, so he's been physically violent before, um, and yet, you know, we've, in our session, throughout our session, it was very fascinating just to hear how, uh, while he acknowledged the impact and, and recognized that it was wrong for him to use physical violence at all during an argument, um, he couldn't help himself but just remain and kind of go back to some of the stuff that his partner did, or his wife, rather, I should say. And so I found myself like in a way kind of stuck because his story at the same time, I was like, I wanted to help. I wanted to, you know, hold him accountable and be like, well, wait a minute, you use physical violence. Like, what do you mean? What are you talking about? You want to talk about her and what she did and how that impacts you. And yet some of the stuff he was telling me about, you know, the behavior that she enacted and she did as a partner, but also as a co-parent because he's a parent as well kind of made me take a step back because I was just kind of stuck. Like, damn, this sounds like somebody who really wants to talk about this and is really hurting. And yet there was still this part of me sitting there like, I want to call this guy out and like, mm-hmm. you know, let me shut down that conversation. I don't want to hear about it. So it was just really challenging. I, I, I found myself stuck. It was one of those moments where uh, as a professional, as a social worker, you know, we kind of kind of go through our heads. Like, man, am I doing the right thing? Like, I'm not doing something right in this moment. 
And so it ended up being that, you know, the session just kind of played out itself where I've heard him out, just practice active listening, just allowed for him to sort of tell me a little bit more and just heard it out. But yeah, you know, it kind of left me feeling a little bit challenged as well because I think there were parts of me that wanted to call him out and still didn't know how to sort of maintain that. And yeah, I remember talking to you a little bit about it as to right. why I was struggling right. and why maybe it was important for me to even call him out in the first place. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, yeah, that's that's been my week so far. So, Well, th- thank you for sharing that, Al, because, you know, part of our mission of this podcast is to talk about our work, right, and that it's not always easy or seamless. No. And um, we as social workers are always straddling kind of what is best practices, what does the textbook say, and being with the client in real time. And yeah. um, I think anyone who has been a client can feel different um, ways in this session, right? We've talked about barriers to coming to therapy for men in particular, and also wanting to honor that um, your client is present and is participating in uh, therapy with you and yet it's not easy for for either of you so you know I know there's a lot of controversy in the work of domestic violence and for me I will say this and you know yes it's controversial for some but um, in my experience I don't believe that Men who perpetrated violence are given enough space to talk about the intimacies of their relationship. Mm. And that is a structural problem, I think, within our field and also within, um, you know, because of socialization, right? And, And I think there's not enough teachings in school or in life about the kind of the healthy stages of a relationship right, and right, right. Um, that men and women should be able to experience love and equality and, you know, understand their feelings and share their feelings within a relationship. So today we're going to be talking about, you know, accountability as we always do and also empathy. Right. Yeah. Like particularly what is empathy? How do we as social workers find empathy? How do we sustain empathy? And how can men have who have perpetrated violence in their intimate relationships find empathy for their partners, ex-partners, and still be held accountable. Mm. So that's a mouthful. Yeah, that is a mouthful. <laughs> <laughs> and well, that's a know, lot. Right, yeah. That was part of the struggle, right, with me, just trying to be able to hold both. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, as we mm-hmm. get into it, I mean, you know, I don't know, where, where, where should we begin in terms of starting there? So we want to kind of briefly touch up on it. So what do you think? Because um, there's so much we could get to, but we want to be able to also just talk briefly and, and, and give as much uh, uh, about what we know about this topic and why it's mm-hmm. important. So, uh, I mean, I don't know. Do you think we kind of begin there from my story and thinking about this particular father or just in general, sort of what we've seen so far as the men who are good? Well, yeah, I think that's yeah. an appropriate place to begin because I, I think this is not a conversation that's happening um, in spaces of like the podcast world, mental right, health world, yeah. um, politically. I think that's not happening within our social um, criminal justice system. That's not really happening. And so I think we have a lot of expertise. No, no, we expertise. usually don't talk about, yeah, that side of, 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 of the work we do, which is working with people and individuals who are the on the side of causing harm or damage to others' lives and really hurting people. And then yet we're working with them and still sort of holding a space where we can be empathic. Mm-hmm. towards their experience so i think that yeah that that's the challenging part about which we're doing and we're actively practicing and sort of speaking to because what we see is that there's sort of some benefit to doing so right i mean if you will we notice what it's been like it's a challenge but we notice what it, 
the wonders it can do when we help folks work on and practice that empathy sort of skill and muscle, if you will, right? Get it a little stronger. Right. And I think it's hard when, um, you know, many men who perpetrated violence are struggling with accepting their behavior. And, you know, they're oftentimes, you know, kind of going back to, well, she, well, she, well, she did this and, you know, losing sight of their own behavior, which is where we work so hard in that, you know, space where we're trying to hold them accountable. And yet I don't want to dismiss what's happened within their relationship and perhaps years of dysfunction, years of poor communication, years of hurtful behaviors, years of, you know, having a difficult time, you know, saying how they feel or being able to share with their partner that they don't want to always be that quote unquote traditional masculine provider. You know, we've talked about that in previous episodes. And so I think there's a lot to be said for helping men build empathy. And yet when we attempt to do that with them, they kind of roll their eyes. Yeah, they do. So, (laughs) and as we get into it, what do you, so how would you sort of define that empathy for, for, I guess, how do you want to do, so you want to define empathy, well, how do you define empathy, sort of, mm-hmm. Cheryl? I'm kind of putting it out on you, because, again, you can find a dictionary definition for it, mm-hmm. uh, and which I'll probably, I should probably pull up and mm-hmm. read it, but I want to get a sense of, for you, what are you, what's, what's empathy for you? I think it's an awareness that we all have a humanness, mm-hmm. and, you know, a compassion for another person, and that we share kind of a like-minded experience as humans, that we all are carrying around pain, um, they're, you know, could should be a sense of, you know, understanding that there's a shared experience of togetherness, regardless of right. what our differences are, our backgrounds are, regardless of our regardless of our, you know, varying political beliefs or religion, that, you know, we all maybe have hopefully have some goodness inside and that I can see that within you and you can see that within me and we can start from this kind of very basic humanistic approach. I, I mean that that's on hand in terms of how I sort of view empathy. Yeah, that's, I mean, mm-hmm. the humanistic approach, I, that's how I sort of see empathy as well, mm-hmm. right? Us stripping ourselves and really reminding and remembering that we are all humans. We're all alike. We're all together. And right. so being able to uh, connect with someone on that mm-hmm. very human level to say, you know what your experience is, even though I'm not there yet, I can probably have get a sense of where you are and put my, you know, Put your shoes on my own feet and sort of for a little bit to sort of kind of imagine what your life is like. And I can go there because we are human. Right. You know, we are human and that's it. So I sort of look at empathy in the same way. And so I sort of pulled, I pulled it up real quick on dictionary. Uh, wow, you pulled up dictionary. the definition. Absolutely. That's why you have the dictionary app. Wow, so dictionary empathy, app. noun, right? It says the psychological identification with or vicarious experiencing of the feelings, thoughts, or attitudes of another. Okay. So a real-time example could be, um, and this is, I can share this later, but, you know, kind of ways that I try to practice empathy, right, Mm. for other people, which is an ongoing practice. It's not just like, well, I did (laughs) that one time today. It's ongoing. So not just within our work and our field, but um, also in everyday life. So that would be, okay, Al, I can look at you and see, you know, yes, I look at you and see myself, right? That you have struggles, you have hurts, you have pains, you have joys, and, you know, whatever is happening with you, I can, you know, experience a sense of togetherness. Therefore, when I do that, I also am able to be there for you in whatever your struggles are. I don't know if that 
that's the way like I see it. I'm here for you. Right, right, right. Yeah. Yes, even though we might have strong, strong yeah. differences um, in our beliefs or even the way that we move within the world, that doesn't necessarily mean I can't still have, I can't look at you. I mean, I do look at you and say, oh, you're an uncle, you're a son, you, you know, are a best friend, right? Like, look at all of these overlaps and be able to see, okay, there's yeah. a human in front of me. Absolutely. And I, to me, one, one thing that stands out about the empathy, if, if anyone's ever heard of Brene Brown, I know it's, mm-hmm. that's this, this person, you know, she really awesome person Google her right now i think social worker uh absolutely um and she just has the one of the what i see comprehensive sort of simple basic ways of explaining it uh and i think that that was a profound when i found her video on empathy that was yes. like really big for me um i love that video just how simple it is uh yeah. to explain this it, it as a skill which mm-hmm. also i like right not just something that we're born with um which i also like as well because i think you know, what you mentioned reminded me of some of the work we come across with, at least particularly with me and, and, and you. I know we see that a lot in men, mm-hmm. uh, men and boys. For some reason, it seems like there's a struggle to empathize for others mm-hmm. where, like, again, it's, it's much easier to get, let off offensive jokes. Mm-hmm. It's much easier to say harmful things and sort of laugh it off and not really think about the impact that it has on another person mm-hmm. and their being. And so uh, I think sometimes we fall into a trap of being like, again, that's boys being boys or you know that's how they are and that's how they're born but it's like no it's that is the fact that they haven't practiced empathy and so this is why this is so easy to let off offensive joke laugh at a rape joke or make one or you know what i mean because Mm -hmm. it's not that they weren't born this way they just haven't practiced it enough Mm -hmm. well i think that young boys are often socialized to as we've talked before experience only rage and anger those are very things are like that's the only thing we can show. And it's very yeah. limiting, right? I always think of the toy aisle, whereas, you know, the girl's toy aisle is, um, you know, historically pink, filled with babies <laughs> and, you know, caregiving. Yeah. Like very, <laughs> like, hard. Domestic, yeah, yeah. And, right? And, and, that's, and that's very soft mm-hmm. and kind of, like, empathic, right? Kind of, or I guess if we think about the word empathy, that's like, well, that's reserved for this mm-hmm. side of the population, right? Mm-hmm. These people, this type of human, right? Because, and look, we're going to show it in these ways. And yeah, I think, you know, the result is, you know, lack of empathy in one's intimate partnership, you know, kind of is creating the separateness between each other and this distancing which i see even in the world even politically even um what's happening in our government there's so we're so polarized which we talk about sometimes and how do we help our clients to build that empathy clients meaning you know men who we've worked with fathers who have committed violence within their intimate relationships how do we help them build empathy you know and and so not having empathy is what i deem as a barrier to accountability absolutely absolutely and i think that cuts across the board too for all forms of folks we work with even in maybe they're not even in mental health right i'm thinking about you know siblings who harm other siblings or classmates who harm other classmates mm-hmm. mothers who harm their children mothers mm-hmm. who may harm their own partners mm-hmm. and husbands right when we think of if if empathy is not present it's much harder to get this person to really realize the value in trying to rebuild and repair the harm that they've done Right. It's like why would I why would I do that you know if I don't even feel for this other person or I can't even feel what they're feeling at the, as a result of my actions so it made me think you know I wanted to ask uh, you sort of because uh, you talked about like the struggle with men but can do you want to uh, what are your thoughts on like what are some ways that or why you know it's, it might be important for particularly men or fathers we work with in mental health why is it important for them to sort of think 
a little more about empathy and 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 practicing it on a daily um or just developing the, the, their empathic side why like why why do you think or why you, would you say that's important um uh, for for someone to mm-hmm. so, sort of work on that especially someone looking to come into mental health services as well right whether they're someone who causes harm or just in general why might that be Important for them to have for their families or for for themselves and and just in development. Well, I think it creates an openness um, for their own psychological well-being, um, you know, and and also for the world. To have that empathy for another person means you are connected to something greater than yourself. You're connected to being in the present moment and trying to also, you know, connect with someone else who is close with you. So it only helps to further develop and lift up the other person as well as yourself and your family. And I think that's really challenging, you know, because if you don't believe you are deserving of having empathy given to you, how can you give it to another person? So those are some barriers that I think we experience, you know, men with low self-esteem, which we've talked about on this podcast before, you know, like if I am empty, how can I fill up someone else? Mm. So a way to be filled up is, as we said, doing you know your own psychological work, continuing to engage in your spiritual practice, your physical practice, your mental health practice, to look at your wounds, right, and feel like you can then be present for yourself and another person. So I believe that empathy is important to be able to have stronger community and stronger families and to be able to have greater connection with each other. Yeah, absolutely. I, I totally agree on that. And I would just add that, you know, I also think it's important um, in terms of for, for men and also speaking as one myself, because as you were talking and, and we're even thinking about this topic, I, I, I still even struggle with that myself as mm-hmm. much as I've been in this field, just being able to sort of build that empathy muscle. Uh, I recently got into a discussion with my own mother uh, uh, where we just had this back and forth. She felt like I didn't understand her and I was very quickly to be like, well, you don't understand me and then I want to shut down mm-hmm. this conversation mm-hmm. where without really taking a pause and being like, well, wait a minute, if she doesn't feel like I understand her, let me take a minute to at least think about it for a second as to why she might not, you know, she might feel that way, you know, and sort of try to sit in that mold. But it was so easy for me to sort of be like, well, if you don't feel this way, then kind of let's shut this conversation down. Yes, and and I think it's true, Al, that we may not always understand each other. We might not always, but that doesn't mean I can't be present. That doesn't mean you and your mom can't, you know, have those hard conversations right. and know yeah, that yeah, it's yeah. coming from a place of love and, and not a, a place of hurt and, and, you know, violence, as you say. Like, it's more that, you know, we might not understand each other, but we can still work on being connected. Um well, so then we can say, you know, when it's especially hard to have empathy when, you know, especially when you're really angry. Well, you're right when you're really <laughs> so angry and when you're like things are when it's uh, an emotionally charged God, relationship. Yeah, yeah, that was tough. And, I mean, we still haven't talked about it. it. Happened Tuesday, so let's say Thursday, two days ago. Yeah. You know, look, I just can <laughs> so relate to mom drama. <laughs> And mom pains well, and, and hardships I'm also like, and you challenges. Know what? I want to give her a call and let her know, like, you know, if she's not going to be the one to do it, um, then I think for my own self, if I'm practicing empathy, then 
I want to still have a conversation and not just gloss over what happened because it wasn't like a huge blow up, but I think what was said was significant, yeah. you know, in it. and I don't want to just sweep it over because I think that's always the easiest thing to do. Right. Um, and honestly, I, yeah, these past two days, I've it's been, I don't know if it's still eating at her, but I mean, because it wasn't serious, but I guess since his always been a pattern of shutting these kind of conversations down that's why it is serious right because you wanted it, to have something different right you want to have a change yes. yeah yeah and so i think that's what's being sort of eating at me these past two days and being like dude if you if you want a different type of relationship then don't you have to bring it you know first even if the other person doesn't want to right but if you want to bring it then if you're just talking all the shit about how you want to you know exercise empathy you want to improve the relationship shouldn't you then reach out with the right intentions to say, hey, you know, I know we had this disagreement. We said some things that seemed like we were trying to hurt each other, but, you know, that wasn't the case. But can we talk? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I've definitely had that internal sort of conversation yeah. with myself, kind right. of going back and forth. Yeah. Um, yeah, which is why, you know, again, empathy is so hard, especially when, you know, uh, for the other person, when you don't, when you don't see eye to eye. Um, when you just completely do not agree and you do not share the same perspective, um, it's hard not to get defensive. Um, yeah. Yes. Uh, however, even within that, I think there's always opportunities to come back. Right. You know, like you're saying, just you know, making an outreach call. And I think for the men we work with, if they can't call. Right. If there's no order of protection and they can't call. So, you know, just if we can acknowledge emotionally charged relationships, you know, that have histories where there's not necessarily this like, oh, empathy is so easy. It's really hard. There are people in my life who I have a really hard time trying to find an ounce of empathy <laughs> for. It is really hard. Yeah. It is really, really difficult. And family members, sometimes colleagues, sometimes people on the block, right? It's really difficult. Yeah. So um, with the, with the emotionally charged relationships where there's histories, yeah. I mean, this is, and I think if we can just acknowledge how hard that is and nothing is always seamless or perfect and in the spirit of wanting different and greater and better for our lives, we continue on. Yeah. Right? And sometimes... Empathy and accountability starts within our mind, being accountable for our thoughts and maybe even presenting an offer, for example, to your mom or someone else in your life saying like, how can, what do you need for me to feel more understood? And then it's kind of like, oh, that sort of gives you a twitching. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> That's a question what do you need yeah to feel right understood. right like what do you like need that. for me so that you, you feel, feel more under understood, understood yeah. by me and that might take some time for the other person to respond because who of us has who has ever been asked that question <laughs> it might be like uh, uh, uh well uh. <laughs> well i mean i haven't been asked that question i don't recall someone asking me that question especially during moments of conflict so i right. think that would be very key to even try to inst uh, throw in there and implement um and to be ready and excuse me when you're asking that question you know also i think to what we were talking about as far or what we were talking about before we started recording just as professionals how we struggle sometimes mm -hmm. to do these things with people we work with and right. so um why it would be important for us to uh think about this, this piece of empathy right and also trying to extend that to someone else uh and particularly people we work with when we don't necessarily have no clue or have not or do not feel like we can relate in any way sure sure and yet there's i what i see is just undercurrent of the human experience 
So that's, you know, one thing that I try to hold in my heart is um, looking at someone and saying, okay, this is someone's child. Yeah. This is a son. This is a daughter. Is there a, is there a case where you, that goes out the window for you? That even, um, even that is difficult. Of course. Because I think that's There's a question. There's many cases. We, that's where always, that's always, you know, that's always a question we get, right? And going into this field is, is there a population you wouldn't work with? Is there someone who you think you absolutely would not want to help? Because social workers are the helpers, right? Yeah. We are the helpers. So mm-hmm. we always get asked this question. Is there a population? Is there a group of people that you won't work with? So is, does that exist for you? I mean, you, you know, you say you ask yourself, this is someone's child. And that's how you sort of um, go through your mental sort of uh, exercise of practicing empathy. So mm-hmm. you ask yourself, okay. And you, or you remind yourself that this is someone's child, right? Mm-hmm. And that's how you sort of get to a place of empathy. But is there? Like, uh, I don't. I think the answer hard line for of me like, nah, is well. No for way. me, it comes down to skill set. You know, mm, I don't. Okay. I don't have the skills, like the training, I should say. Okay. I have this like skills of empathy yeah, that yeah, I'm working yeah, on yeah, all the yeah, time. Yeah. I have listening skills. I have, you know, diagnostic skills, child development skills, play therapy skills. I have a lot of skills. <laughs> um, but do are, I don't know if those skills are always transferable. Mm. So I have not worked in the field of, for example, chronic substance abuse or, you know, mental illness, things like, you know, schizophrenia. Um, I don't, I haven't had those skills of training. So I think I can use the same empathy skills across the board, but to be most effective, I want to assume that clients need and deserve someone who's trained. So I'm not going to, you know, take my card to the cardiologist and be (laughs) like, can you fix my engine right right yeah, <laughs> wrong. yeah, yeah, wrong. yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, that might be a bad example but right. you see what i'm saying of course right. so i have to Better think be about that is there someone i would not work with um well you're human so it's quite possible you know? uh, yeah i, I just need I, to I think can't about answer that question right now. i mean the first person i think is r kelly i'm sorry but I, but you know right or, i would i <laughs> maybe not really hard time working with. per se i would have or a hard time working perfect. with some of some of our uh members of the current administration. administration. You see what I'm saying? Exactly. So you feel me? There'll be but I there's think, a so couple again, people that I'm just like, you know what? I think that's because I'm so angry. Right. Well, right? So, this I mean, is, so I'm so angry. And so I think I for... I not anybody from this administration right. either. Like, hey, I'll, I'll be a therapist. I'll, <laughs> I'll I listen have to, to be, your story. I'll, that's <laughs> I'd really like hard. to hear how hard it is to be... <laughs> that's really hard. And then, and then when the you capital, sort of doubt that there is, you know, potential money. for change. That's, yeah, so that's how you have to know, I think, as social workers, know who where your skills are mm-hmm. and who you, right, it's a good question, can and cannot work with. And yet, yeah. you know, what are we doing to, of course, like increase our skill sets as professionals and help our clients be empathic towards people in their lives? And how are we continuously trying to have empathy for our clients and for other people in our lives? Um, yeah, it's... It's not easy. Yeah. Well, you know, you mentioned some skills. So I want to read off some uh, off of this uh, article that uh, mentions, highlights some of, uh, bringing it back to Brene Brown and what she uh, discusses as four steps to showing empathy. And one being perspective taking or putting yourself in someone else's shoes. The second one is staying out of judgment and listening. Mm-hmm. The third one, recognizing emotion in another person that you have maybe, that you may have felt before. And the last step being communicating that you recognize that emotion. So, Again, perspective taking, staying out of judgment, recognizing an emotion, and then being able to communicate that you recognize and understand 
uh, that emotion. So Ooh. those are some skills. And do you have any other that you can think of to add to that? I mean, I just love that list so much. And you read it two times, so thank you for that. Yeah, yeah. You read it two times very fast, and I'm still wanting to marinate in that, right? And mm. I think those are really powerful and, and all true. Um, wait, re- tell me the third one again. The third one is uh, pretty much recognizing emotion uh, in another person that you may have felt before, so... You know, yeah. if, if, if someone's telling you a sad story, even though maybe, you know, uh, of their, you know, dog running away, maybe you never had a dog or but, you know, the feeling of sadness and, you know, the feeling of loss mm-hmm. or maybe someone leaving you or mm-hmm. running away, quote unquote, on you. So mm-hmm. you can sort of tap into that to say, oh, OK, well, I've never had a dog that ran away, but I know what it's like to lose something or someone mm-hmm. that I love so much and that leading to sadness and longing and missing. And so I can tap into that. Okay, so I think, yeah, my one thing that's coming to mind is is falling into those, you know, four things that you read, but just, you know, more like kind of putting yourself in someone else's shoes, even if you haven't experienced what they've been through, that know, knowing that you could potentially be there one day. Yeah. So ways that mm. this works for me in New York City <laughs> is that I am constantly, I'm working on it, people, I'm working on it, yeah, yeah, furthering yeah. the yoga practice and, um you know, kind of creating a more peaceful, quiet mindset, working on it. It's ongoing. But one way that this shows up for me in New York City is I'm constantly always just like in a rush and in a race. Of and, course, you know, yeah. if I am on the subway stairs and there is someone in front of me for sure. who is going at snail's pace <laughs> and I'm in a rush. It takes like every fiber of my energy and my physical body to not yell at them, <laughs> to not yell at them and like suck my teeth and roll my eyes and, you know, walk past them in some huge rush instead. And I've really, really been practicing this instead. I'm like, you know what? This person needs to take their time and I will also need to take my time some someday too. Whether it's next week or in two hours when I my feet are hurting. <laughs> I'm laughing also because that was me today. I, I, I took a stroll down 3rd Avenue <laughs> on 45th when I was over there, Capi. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was strolling and then I actually caught myself and said, wait a minute, I'm walking too slow. Wow, yes. But you <laughs> needed that at that time. Right, so you need, but so that's what happens with like what we need when our mind tells us. Pump into me, like, dude, you're walking way too slow. And that's a product of of living here. I know, I know, I know. It's just funny how we kind of do that as in New York. Because I called my, I was mad at myself walking so slow. (laughs) I was like, what are you doing? You're in the middle of Midtown walking like (laughs) you have all the time in the world. Uh, We don't do that. Um, No, but yeah, you know how we kind of you have to pick those moments where we can. I I like what you as a skill, right? I try to do that. I try to do that when I'm in public transportation. Right. And so I think, you know, what I what I what I caught on from that is like because I was thinking that too. Another step I would add is just like working on your awareness too, mm-hmm. sort of like really being reflective. And like you can't take a perspective of someone else if you're not willing to be vulnerable yourself and really aware of what your surroundings, right? Mm-hmm. If you're very kind of closed minded, you haven't had much experiences, you haven't been open to newer experiences, yeah. It's also gonna be very difficult for you to to sort of build and flex that empathy mm-hmm. muscle that's already in you. Because mm-hmm. another thing I want to clarify, and you know, I know we've been talked about this a lot, is just that I think people believe that people are just born this way. And I, yeah. I don't necessarily buy that people are born without uh, the ability to be empathic towards others. I think right. it's a skill you have to practice. Mm-hmm. If you uh, are, you know, if it's not something you had an opportunity to really practice and do and display. Um, you will lose it and you will have a much harder time in life um, showing it. So, And yeah. what about this idea? And I agree with that, Alec, this idea that, you know, we have to 
put ourselves in perspective of, of the other person. I know we're saying this, but I think, you know, what's coming to mind is, you know, being able to see that that other person, you know, has a story yeah. and a history. Maybe they're in a rush, right? Maybe they just found out some terrible news that I have, I'm not privy to and I have no idea, right? Maybe they are just in a totally different emotional space. And then they need, right, to take that stroll down Fifth Avenue, walk really slow. Right, they could right, have just right, had right. surgery, a medical procedure. Yeah. And something that could we all could have at some Absolutely. point in our lives. Yeah. And I think uh, it comes with being, you know, honestly being open, honest, and humble. Mm-hmm. Got to humble ourselves a little bit. And that's part of being able to, uh, again, try to be more empathic towards one, one another and, mm-hmm. and build that skill. Um, is there another one you, uh, any anything else you would kind of add or think that, would be important because um, I'm also thinking about other social workers who I've come across, like myself, who um, struggle and who would and who can identify the mm-hmm. populations they absolutely can't work with. You know, I've, I've I've met colleagues of mine who say I can't work with child molesters at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be able to do it. And you know, there's transference issues which we've covered and will likely continue to cover in later episodes. Uh, it's such a big part of our field. Um, you know, so this is something that, that, that I'm thinking about as how to also try to think about what are some words we can sort of say to, to those in our field, our colleagues, um, so they can also think about um, as far as uh, uh, them developing within themselves as empathy. And mm-hmm. I do like what you said early on about, like, not having to necessarily agree. Or, I mean, no, you said understand mm-hmm. fully someone, but that we could still sort of come to a place of uh, displaying empathy, being vulnerable. Right. Yes, I think, you know, short of the example that you just gave of some professionals having difficult time working with certain populations, I do think it's important just um, for us to be able to practice um, thinking about someone's intention. So a really great example is, you know, colleagues that I've worked with, you know, I sort of watch the way that they work and practice and I'm kind of quizzical and sometimes judgmental. Like, what is this person doing? I would never do this. This is, you know, to me, bananas. And yet I still try to hold, right, holding two things in um, each hand or one holding two things at the same time, I should say, that this person is not doing something with ill intent. Right, that I can try to recognize they're not coming from a bad place. Again, this is a a, a mom, this is right. a daughter, this is a sister, this is a best friend who, you know, maybe likes coffee just as much as I do. Even though I don't understand what on earth they're doing and I don't necessarily agree with it, I try to really think about you know, their intention. Their intention maybe is to help this other person. Their intention is to be present. Their their intention is to be kind. Thinking about the other person and, you know, don't assume bad intentions. Right. Absolutely. I mean, part of, yeah, again, empathy is, is without judgment. So, yeah, that, that assumption got to go out the window. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're someone who's struggling to work with a particular person because you just don't agree with what they've done, maybe... Or you don't agree with the choices they're making, mm-hmm. have to bring yourself back to understand like that very human quality that uh, uh, you know it's it's someone else's might make choices you won't won't make, and that, that their life uh, circumstances might have brought them to the choices in, in a mm-hmm. way that your life circumstances may have not brought you. So it's keeping in yet. mind that right yet, right because you can easily yet. be there. Right, right. We have to humble ourselves, right, and remember that you know life works in mysterious ways, and so um, keeping in mind that 
you know, to display empathy, I think you know, all the things that was mentioned so far is, is important for us to keep in mind. And because as, especially as social workers, man, we signed up for this stuff, right? We signed up as helpers to really help folks. And I do think one of the things I do uh, like to say that I think uh, isn't said enough that if, if, if you're not someone that can get to a place where you think you can do these things and humble yourself enough, mm-hmm. then this profession might not be for you. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. I think this profession is not for you. You probably would do more damage if you can't get to a place where you can practice empathy with someone, mm-hmm. um, then good. Yeah. Right? No matter how many right. resources, no matter how many metro cards you can get for somebody, you can find them housing, right? Um, eventually, long term, if you're not someone that can really practice this skill and willing to look at, at people from a non-judgmental place and be vulnerable with them and also uh, empathic towards their, their experience, and I don't know if, if, if this is for you. And you know what? Thank you for that because that is worthy to be examined. Yeah. And acknowledged. And it's okay. Yeah. It's okay to walk away. It's okay to say, you know what? I tried this. It wasn't for me. And I don't think we should. What's the phrase? Force something around peg in a square hole? Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. 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 Of course. uh, I know what you mean. I don't have it. So don't force it if it's not, you know, for you. And it's okay to do that. And I think that's along the lines of having empathy for oneself. Mm. And we have to practice that too, right? And I think, you know, hopefully this podcast will give people some ideas and just spark, you know, conversation with themselves, with their friends, with their colleagues, with each other, with their relationships. Um, And how are we acknowledging empathy and how are we asking for empathy within our own lives? Absolutely. So, you know, with that being said, kind of we can think about, you know, so we talked about so far and address empathy, how we see it so far. You know, we started off with, I'm gonna start off with sharing um, some of the you know the story with this with this father I'm working with now. Uh, I'm sorry, been working with. Um, and so, what what would you say? What are some what if you can sort of give people some some ways they can sort of practice it maybe, mm-hmm. right? So sort of wrap us up and sort of close us in because you know empathy, as we said, you know it's definitely a practice. It requires vulnerability. We do f- believe that it is essential to human connection mm-hmm. uh we you know and i said i throw us in there you know you and i charlotte and i have worked a lot with families again in instances where there's been violence in the relationship intimate partner violence and so we know how important it is uh for empathy to be included in relationships in order for there to be healing repair or any sort of solutions um to lead a healthier life well i do like the idea of that you know like yeah. what could we do maybe if we decided you know to do a Seven-day empathy building challenge. You know, that would take a level of awareness where you are catching yourself, right? Catching your judgments. Mm. Speaking about it, okay, you will be one. Do it. You're saying, you're I'm I'm trying to put it together. So, because I think that's that's a good one, right? So, we're thinking about how do we, this empathy challenge, right? So, if you're struggling with it and you're someone who's thinking about, or or, or not struggling, but again, regardless, just, the importance that we want to bring, continue bringing to the forefront. Um, so one of the things, one of the important components of challenging yourself, if you don't feel like you're someone who is there or can be empathic or ones, or maybe you are, but you have this one person in your life who you want to improve the relationship with, or you want it to be better, but you mm-hmm. don't know how to. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some things you probably need to consider? And so one of them is being like this idea of judgment. Are mm-hmm. you in this place where you're judging someone, where you? Uh, do not, you know, you're making stereotypes, you're making assumptions. Because if you are, you probably don't want to be there if mm-hmm. you're trying to be more mm-hmm. empathic, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Got it. 
Right. So maybe acknowledging your own feelings first about the mm-hmm. you know relationship or about the person, and you know using that as a way to move yourself. Mm. And again, I want to acknowledge that is not easy. And yet, how will we be able to do that if we don't challenge ourselves and push ourselves right for? the next level so maybe a you know seven day empathy challenge um yeah writing it down writing down instances where you catch yourself speaking about it with other people right and you you've shared very openly on this podcast al you know the barriers to um isolating oneself and just kind of like going in the darkness to try to heal oneself and not really discussing things so as as men we are good at yes and Mm. and aligning oneself with you know people in our lives who we can say you know i'm doing this empathy challenge people do this when they're quitting smoking yeah, they're trying to lose they, weight they, yeah hit the gym for two it. hours right like oh mm-hmm. man i ate the ice cream sunday five times today mm-hmm. right as a we way talk to, about, to have others keep them accountable yeah so why not you know kind of align yourselves with other people who you can do this with so you know i guess a way to increase one's empathy is to put yourself on an empathy challenge right um, what's the opposite word of diet right an empathy empathy fulfillment um Indulgence, empathy, indulgence. indulgence. How would you indulge in more empathy? How would you indulge in more empathy? (laughs) (laughs) You know, coming up with a way to hold yourself accountable. And for me, um, you know, in the spirit of thinking about social work practice and, you know, because I am someone who has worked in higher education, I've been a clinician for a really long time, long time. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, there is this, well-known in the field called parallel process. So if we are, as clinicians, looking at our own empathy practices and trying to find more empathy for said people in our life, in particular our clients, for example, then we would love to see our clients being able to be more empathic to people in their lives, Mm. specifically the men we work with having more empathy for their former partners. Partners, So that's... Just let that kind of marinate out there in podcast land because that is so important. And for me, and I think for you, Al, that's really where the heart of this conversation is. Yeah. So we have, you have been in many circles and conversations where, you know, our colleagues in this field have zero empathy for the perpetrators of violence, fathers and men. And men, absolutely. Right? So all of us need to be doing this work. Yeah, because I think it's a, it's a, and while, you know, again, it's a, it's a field as far as like uh, uh, in social work and mental health that's being addressed, how do we work with uh, those who are being violent and not only in their intimate relationships, but their families um, and just causing harm? How do we address the issues that are coming up with them? How do mm-hmm. we help them? How do we uh, help them reach a place of change? Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's still, since it's such a relatively new field still um in terms of the research that's done on what type of methods what type of uh inter what styles and and, and a mode of intervention would be most effective um considering that i think people still are not on board with mm-hmm. why we should do this mm-hmm. but again we talked about it before and again in terms of creating a, a world that's that's much safer where people are more empathic towards each other, where people care mm-hmm. right if you can care about each other then i think everything else will just come naturally right we'll care about the world we'll care about the land we'll care about the ocean we'll care about right. pollution uh so we have to start somewhere and i think mm-hmm. it starts with those folks that are causing those the, the the most harm right mm-hmm. they've been in a position of causing harm and they have an opportunity there to repair it uh and part of that is again this piece of empathy that needs to be present we mm-hmm. can't just force people to care about someone else we can't just punish them into caring about somebody else right um 
there has to be other strategies and one of the places really building a connection with them so that they can feel connected right. because being connected with someone is part of being able to, you know, display empathy. And that's something we've talked about before on this podcast and bringing it back to, you know, the gentleman you're working with. Yeah. And, you know, the question continues how to help him build empathy for his, you know, former partner, even if it feels like everyone around, you know, can't do that. But how can he do that? And I think the shout out to Brene Brown, who... Who knows? One day, maybe we'll meet her and have her off the couch, on the couch with us. Yes. That would be, be awesome. Um, but, you know, shout out to her for discussing this work. And we encourage anyone to explore her work. You know, let it be a space of learning for yourself and kind of do the checklist and check in for yourself. And how are you showing up for empathy? That says it also. Cheryl, do you have anything you want to kind of put us, put us, uh, kind of close us out, uh, to take this conversation, put a bow on it, sort of. Because I, I, mean, I disagree with everything you just said. So I'm just like, <laughs> figure out where to take it. I'm just well, like, look, well, you know, it, we said everything. Just uh, really, let's all decide we're going to take an empathy challenge, mm. you know? Whether it's try it out for a day, try it out for an hour, right? Just to kind of look at people in your world and, you know, think about them as humans, right? It's, and it's hard to do when we're so emotional and angry or hurt. Like, it's when the emotions are involved, it's really hard, but that's when we need to do it the most. And I think what you discussed about the importance of building connection. I think we all have to continue to do that. I am happy to continue having this conversation. I think we need to. We're going to weave it into future conversations. So all of you stay tuned for more Off the Couch because I think these important conversations need to be had. Absolutely. So we'll leave it at that. So everyone out there, you know, stay safe, practice empathy, and we'll talk to you next time. Next time.